0: about poppers has been postponed till next week of course our listeners may recall that we were going to talk about this so we're going to get the down low on what they are what the effects are why they are banned why they shouldn't be so on we'll then um, next week but uh, it's been a crazy week the election is a thing that happened
1: yes uh,
0: we're not gonna <laughs> really talk about it because every tom dick and harry has been talking about that that election that happened. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. My, my favorite assessment so far is somebody said, it is an election that everyone was disappointed by, and if they're not disappointed, they might be lying to you. So.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like, let's have this giant election, and then nothing changes. Yeah,
1: nothing. Actually, I was thinking that would be the, the funniest outcome. Not the most ideal, just the most hilarious outcome would be not much changing.
0: Now, I am a big, I mean, for me, one of the biggest highlights of the election was the LGP, LGPP, LG, Justin Trudeau attempting to say the LGBTQ community. Mm. I think I have a short clip, which we will play now. I
1: will never apologize for standing up for an uh, LGBTQ2 plus
0: kids' rights to not have to undergo conversion therapy. Now, you actually noticed, Sebastian, Mm -hmm. that this was a bit of a tale of two cities when it comes to this particular clip. (laughs) I think it was kind of adorable that this full-grown man could not say the word LGBTQ. Well,
1: yeah, you told me about it, so I looked it up, and in my feed, I found, like, uh, well, definitely two stories next to, like, literally next to each other in my feed, and then you skip down a few news stories, and there was a couple more. They were all framed completely differently and mm-hmm. it was just such an interesting tale of spin where one was like this is offensive to the community how dare he he's been saying the acronym for years how could he not get it right and another one was like oh it's so adorable that he stumbled and it was just mm-hmm. I don't know the, the, I, I'm very I don't know if you noticed but I'm, I'm very hesitant when I see something that clearly has spin on it mm-hmm. like if something has an adjective in the title I'm I'm usually pretty, like, you know, known right-winger so-and-so. My my brain automatically goes to... They're probably not a right-winger. They probably just said one bad thing one time. So, I mean, I don't know. I hate spin. But this was so interesting, seeing how different people would in the story.
0: You you hear the clip. He could not say LGBTQ to save his life. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I have got the acronym wrong a few times. I've referred to it as B&Q, DIY, (laughs) you know, MSNBC. These are all things that are, you know, interchangeable when it comes to the (laughs) queer community. Um, So... If queer folks get it wrong, I I don't know. I have a fair deal of patience Mm -hmm. for people who accidentally get the acronym wrong. My patience runs out if it's intentional. Mm -hmm. If there's an intent behind getting the acronym wrong, Mm -hmm. there's no patience from me.
2: I think that we really have to look at the intention and the actions that go behind it. That I would much rather be interested in what his... Um, in his policies and the effect of his policies in terms of, of funding and, and legislation and how that impacts the queer community. Mm. Um, that, to me, is much more important than a verbal stumble. Yeah, I care a lot more about the legislative stumbles. Um, can I tell a cute story? Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: what we're here for.
2: <laughs> So my mom, bless her, has come a very long way since I initially came out to her and at one point she kind of stumbled with the LGBTQ see I just hesitated there um and and I said it's okay I don't expect you to know the acronym or anything and she goes well no she's like I just find it kind of dehumanizing to have, like, a bunch of letters and then people are letters, and she's like... I'm into that! Yes, and so she had put a lot of thought into it, and she's like, can I just say, like, rainbow people? <laughs> because she wanted to say people, and yeah, she yeah. wanted to refer to a diverse group of people, and I think rainbow people rocks yes. as a substitute, but I also understand how daunting it can be to get that alphabet soup out there for people who are maybe new to being allies or who are trying to be respectful but aren't immersed in the community Mm -hmm. so um i care a lot more about the intention and if you can't get lgbtq barbecue blt out of your mouth then you know rainbow people is also fine with me
0: We say the gay community. We often say the queer community, queer folks. These are all. I usually say
1: community as well because when when somebody says like you know he or she or they are an LGBTQ person, I'm like you can't be a gay and a lesbian (laughs) and a bisexual. When (laughs) they
0: refer to gay men as lesbians, I'm like I don't know any gay man who identifies as a lesbian.
1: Community or LGBTQ politics or LGBTQ, LGBTQ theory or something like that. I'm like yes, absolutely, but it's just it's. Mm-hmm. it's a level of analysis thing I actually looked into this and it, I kept coming back to the fact that like I speak French mm-hmm. and French has different terms for if you're talking about people or a in, culture in French
0: people. it's je <laughs> petit
1: Actually, there is a huge debate in Quebec about the Q. They're like, Q, queer. What is that in French? Un queer. Like, what is that? That is nothing. Just suis un queer. So they're like, is this just like neo-colonialism that the Anglos are forcing their words on us? Can we come up with a French word? We actually had somebody come up
0: with word. Yeah, yeah
1: We had a guest. was it, like five years ago? There six a years ago? ago. Yeah. A,
0: a distinctly Québécois term for that identity. yeah well yeah.
1: Uh, franco-canadian because they're mm-hmm. using it in ontario windsor wind mm-hmm. all that kind of thing but yeah the, the my trick is i just treat lgbtq as a foreign word that i memorized phonetically yes so it's like lg is like one word and then bt is another word and then q is the suffix so lgbtq just treat it as one word yeah. and if which screwed me up a few years ago and we had to switch the order of all the letters and
0: Oh yeah. When when I first started working, you know, full time with real jobs, I worked for the GLBT liaison committee. Yeah. There was no Q, the L hadn't swapped around. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of different debates. You know, a lot of people say that the L and the G was a result of the feminist movement. Um there is one theory behind, behind why it went GLBT to LGBT mm. and that is because uh, lesbians took so much care of gay men during the AIDS crisis mm. that the gay community was like, no, no, you go first. And, you know, it was sort of a symbol of the importance of the lesbian community as a result of the AIDS crisis. Because um, very often gay men were completely ostracized and, and left with nobody and, and lesbian folk really came together around that. Uh, but I mean, you know, just this week on Crave... We're not sponsored by Crave, but I'm happy to take their money. Uh, this week on Crave, you RuPaul's Drag Race UK um, has, you know, launched their new season. And Victoria Scon, which I think is a great name, although Victoria Sponge must have been taken. Uh, Victoria Scon is an AFAB queen, which means assigned female at birth. Okay. She is a woman who is a drag queen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now... You're just nodding along. You're like, well, yeah, obviously. But but drag has been almost the exclusive preserve of gay men mm. for so long that... Uh, well, drag this kings is a, have been
1: around for quite yeah, some time. exactly.
0: But yeah. this isn't a drag king. This is a drag queen. So she's performing female. And she is female. Mm. So, yeah, it's really interesting. But I say this because the whole of Britain just had to learn what AFAB meant. Mm. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, or, or MAB, I think is assigned, or a AMAB, assigned male at birth mm-hmm. or assigned female at birth. Um, there's actually, I think there was one country, and I forget which one it is. I think it's in Europe. They've just stopped assigning at birth. They're mm. just like, unless it's necessary, let's just leave it there. Mm. Because there is so much hassle, particularly for trans and intersex folks to undo or redo or what have yeah. you, um, that they're just not, having it now.
1: Well, I mean, a, a stance I keep coming back to is uh, uh, birth certificates can be one of two things. And in many cases, they're both at the same time, which is problematic. And the, the one is a document of citizenship. You know, welcome to the world. You are now a Canadian on account of being born on Canadian soil. And the other is a medical record that uh, a new person was created. And this is the medical record of that event. And... Of those two, like, if if you're talking about your birth certificate as a record of citizenship, I am 100% on board. You don't need your sex on there. You don't need your gender on there. Who cares? You just need your name and maybe your social insurance number or equivalent Mm -hmm. depending on on your country medical record appears to be male appears to be female we did genetic testing we there could be stuff for that that comes out later on and i think there's more of a debate there but for the the citizenship one like i don't care get that off of there
0: yeah exactly
1: but most places the record is the same for both and i Mm -hmm. think that's when we run into issues and if we separated them it would be less of a hassle
0: I know. I there are countries that do that, but I can't remember Monaco or some small Liechtenstein. I, I remember actually. I think it was you had that you had you wanted to change your name first of all because uh, Stephen downstairs didn't pop the question for thirty years. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. there That's is. True. It's like, come That's on, true. guy, <laughs> times are ticking here. Yeah. But for you, you wanted to change it to be published, if I remember correctly. Yes.
2: So um, I wanted to take his last name before we got engaged before we got married um and so for i I didn't do it officially until we got married but um just for publication's sake and i remember i was gonna publish and i asked my co-authors i'm like is it okay if i publish under this name that is not legally mine and they're like who who gives a hoot (laughs) i'm trying not to swear Um, but, but they were like, people do it all the time. Mm. Don't worry about it. nom de plume. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the thing is that with my maiden name, there are 8 million of us in Mm. the world. Um, I am the only Heather Van Zulen on the internet.
0: Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Yes. So you can, everyone is now Googling you to, uh, to find you. It's interesting that I was reading... Uh, Earlier today, and we're going to be talking about the 1200s in just a little bit. But uh, I was reading about Owain uh, ap Griffith, who was uh, the last Welsh prince mm-hmm. in the 1200s, and uh, he tried to marry um, the the sister of the Duke of Plantagenet. Oh yeah in uh, in France. Oh and, yes. and of course, you are of the plants. Yes, I'm a, so. I'm
1: a branch family of the family, like if you read about the War of the Roses and you hear about all these like provincial families in France that were sending money over because they didn't want to get involved, but they're kind of curious to see who would win. Like, I am descended from one of those families. Yeah,
0: Interestingly (laughs) enough, the chicken that we're going to be having in about, you know, an hour was also from the plant chicken farm. So I don't know if there's a relation there, but who knows?
1: Now, Not uh, to say that I'm a big fancy prince or something. I'm like a baron, not like a duke or something. Like, I'm not descended from high royalty, from like somebody who had land. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah.
0: So the uh the, just before we move away from our, our Canadian stories I did want to mention one pretty neat story we will hopefully get an interview with uh Blake Dorsley and uh, and and get uh, his take but Blake Dorsley uh, won the uh, Edmonton greaseback seat in in Edmonton. It was one of the big, I say one of the big, one of the only upsets in in, uh, in the in the uh, election that just happened. Uh-huh. It was also one of the only things that did happen. Uh-huh. So it's yeah. easy to to jump out. <laughs> so the Conservatives uh, lost the seat by about fourteen hundred votes, give or take. And uh, MP Blake DeJolay uh, won it for the NDP. But MP uh, Blake Desjolais is the first two-spirited member of parliament to mm-hmm. be elected. So that is fantastic news. And honestly, from what I've seen of Blake Desjolais, uh, really has his uh, ear to the ground in terms of what the people in that community really want. Mm-hmm. I always find Alberta really interesting that they go conservative NDP. It's like the liberals just aren't there. And they
1: have like, their left is classic left like labor rights and farmer and small business and then their conservatives are well they're they're west coast conservatives but like it's so fascinating that their left is so left mm-hmm. and their right is so right and they kind of have nothing in the middle uh or if they do they, they never get into office it's it's a fascinating part of the country for sure
0: and the only exception and it just occurred to me was randy Boissonneau. now folks may remember randy Boissonneau as the first LGBTQ secretariat, Mm -hmm. uh, secretary, not because he's not a whole terriate, he Mm -hmm. was just the secretary. Secretary of the office, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, he was assigned that role by uh, Trudeau. He then lost the election for the seat in 2019 to the Conservatives. Uh, And it was a super tight race. I remember watching it during the election coverage. Mm -hmm. And it just kept flipping in and out, in and out between the Liberals and the uh, NDP. Mm -hmm. Apparently, they're good pals. Uh, sorry, the Liberal in the series. Randy Bustlenow and the Conservative MP, they, mm-hmm. they, like, go to the gym together. They're, like, just, like, friends. And they just, like, hang out and stuff. And, uh, yeah. Shocker.
1: I know. <laughs> yeah, <it's> making friends. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, anyways, uh, Randy Bustlenow took the, uh, I think it's Edmonton Centre seat. Oh, uh, the only Liberal seat in Alberta, as far as I'm aware. Um, but... <laughs> It is a seat in Alberta for the Liberals and Randy Boissonneau has a pretty good proven track record. So we will keep an eye on that. Our first song of the day is Where is the Love by uh, Dana Lee. Uh, Dana Lee is out of Toronto, is a Christian uh, Canadian and uh, this is uh, one of Dana Lee's uh, first tracks. We got it off the Asia Distro and we will be back just after this. (laughs)
3: Nothing separates you from the love of God. Nothing separates, nothing separates. Nothing separates.
0: Because the whole sort of gay news sphere has been talking about here are all the celebrities that came out as bi and um, you know it, it sort of drums up once a year the big conversation about bisexuality um, are you, do you feel empowered by by Niagara Falls having a, a, a blue and purple flag Heather?
2: I, I think that it's very pretty I don't know about empowered but um, sure yes give me pretty things I love pretty things <laughs> Give me more pretty things.
0: I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> give me pretty things. I like pretty things. Um, okay. I'm in on the back. Just give me pretty things. Give me more pretty things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. Now, one thing that did come up a couple of weeks ago, which um, I don't sure how much depth we put into it. First of all, the news media coverage of this was Wikipedia slams by people or erases pansexuality. Oh or God. You know, Wikipedia... You know, accused of discrimination.
1: Talk about spin in the media again. You know, right?
0: It was insane. And I was like, what is going on? Do people not re- realize that anyone can edit an Wikipedia article? You know? Uh, so we went in and uh, we looked into it. And apparently, um, in Wikipedia, right at the top, they say, you know, bisexuality, also sometimes known as pansexuality. And then there's a link out to pansexuality. And people were quite irate. Because apparently this is, yet again, big Wikipedia, you know, (laughs) micromanaging what is an identity, as opposed to Wikipedia just being a collective thesaurus, essentially, you know. As opposed to
1: like Urban Dictionary or
0: Tumblr (laughs)
1: declaring what everything is, like it's the same
2: difference. Absolutely. I have literally given a talk to a sexuality studies course and I mentioned pansexual and someone's like, what's the, the actual definition of pansexual? And I hesitated and I was like, Well, like any new term, there are multiple definitions and it's constantly evolving. (laughs) And that was basically my answer, was that I could give an answer, but it might actually change within two years.
0: Or it might be already out of date. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So for our listening audience who are thinking, how can you be sexually attracted to pens? Let's explain the term in a way that won't upset Wikipedia readers. (laughs) Or Greek mythologists. Or Greek mythologists.
2: Well, it's, it's hard because for me, it, it's personal that I, I do identify as pansexual, but I also identify as bisexual. Um, it Basically, for people that are not super aware of the community, I will say bisexual because it's easier, it's more recognizable, and it gets across the important information. I like people, regardless of gender, either gender, multiple genders, it's all good. Yeah, um, Pansexual gets rid of the sort of the bi and bisexual is to be really pedantic it's kind of a dichotomy Mm -hmm. so i like the word pansexual better because um i have been attracted to trans people i am attracted to trans people and gender non-conforming people and so i find pan covers that a little bit better uh but that said, if you call me bisexual, I'm not going to be offended. Mm. And if it's easier for you to remember bisexual, please, like that's fine. I'm I'm not going to get on your back about it.
0: You said something interesting during the break as we were listening to the great track from uh, Dana Lee. Um, Dana Lee, sorry, you mentioned that you know is, for example, my barrier to being attracted to women. You know the 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 frontal area and and breasts yeah swimsuit area the swimsuit swimsuit
2: area (laughs) yeah um one of the things that people um often say for pansexuality is that it's attraction regardless of gender but people shorten that down to the cutesy little meme of hearts not parts Mm. and i thought do monosexual people like do they think about parts and instead of hearts now, I'm like monosexual I think...
0: is people who are attracted to a single gender yeah. not light rail transit systems yes yeah yeah okay.
2: exactly um although shout out to anyone who's attracted to <laughs> light rail <laughs> systems <laughs> I think that might be me you do <laughs> urban planning is important yeah um so I, I think that but uh, even to I, say that
1: you're not interested in, in gender uh, I don't know the people that I've because like if, if somebody has like uh, overtly performative gender, mm-hmm. like men who overly perform masculinity or women who overly perform femininity, or even like men who are gender nonconforming who play up the gender nonconformity, mm-hmm. and you're like it just comes across as insecure. So it's not like gender is not on the table. It's just it's not the most important thing.
2: Um, and the fact is for me that gender does play into it because I'm a woman. Mm. So if I go on a date with, if I go on a blind date with a guy, my behavior is going to change Mm. for safety reasons, Mm. for, um, just that there are certain things that are statistically more likely to happen. Mm. And I might have a, a friend call me or something like that. And I don't necessarily think about all that safety plan when I'm on a date with a woman. And so I don't want to say that gender doesn't matter. Um, It's that any gender can fit with me. uh, But I also think that it's important that like how I behave does get impacted by gender. Am I in a safe place? To do public displays of affection Mm. with someone who appears to be the same gender as me.
0: Yeah, big time.
2: So there there are all of these factors that still come into play. So gender is still at the top of my mind, but that doesn't stop attraction. But then again, if I say it that way, it's, it's the reverse, like... Um, for for you, Luke, you're gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are...
0: I'm a card-carrying homosexual. Yes. Yes,
2: yeah, yes. Yeah. and you're very, very, very gay. I'm
0: pretty gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty gay, yeah.
2: So I don't think that for you, that you go around and say, well, you know, um, I would be attracted to this woman, except for the fact that now, she has... I
0: have I have a story myself. Now, there have been... I think me and Jake differ on this. Me and Jake had a menage a trois, which I will not break down for our audience. (laughs) And uh, the the trois in this menage a trois was was a um, trans assigned female at birth. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that for me, it was more of the case of panic! I don't know what I'm doing. It was like, I don't know, I don't know, what am I doing? Oh my God, what am I doing? Oh my God, oh my God. And in all fairness, this particular individual um, had for the longest time been a lesbian, so also did not know what they were doing. It was just an awkward mess. And my poor Jake was like, why am I in this room? So it was just, uh, it was a mess. But for me the anatomy to be fair to Jake he says that in most situations he says that in most rooms yeah. <laughs> unless there's a bed where he can nap um, but yeah you're right he says that in most rooms so we were in this in this situation but for me it was I was certainly attracted to their personality to mm. their facial features um, that sort of tomboyish look um, that sort of androgynous look more than anything um, but when it comes to the the pieces of the puzzle mm. I'm like square peg and round holes, square peg, square holes. And I'm like, and then for the first time ever, actually, sidebar, sidebar, um, I just realized a story about myself and you mm-hmm. speaking about the forgetting how things work. So as I'm in this menage I'm like, oh my God, do I need to worry about pregnancies? Because I've never thought about that mm-hmm. as a gay man. It's not really an issue. And that reminds me of when I was living with you. We were roommates. And you mentioned to Stephen...
2: I mentioned condoms.
0: Yeah, you mentioned to Stephen, oh, do we? Do you need to buy condoms or something? And I was like, Heather, don't you know your HIV (laughs) status? Like, at the time, this was like, I don't know, the 20-teens. You know, HIV awareness and sexual health awareness. I'm like, Heather, host Honey with Heather. You should know.
3: You know, (laughs) this should be a
0: safe environment for you to know. And uh, if I remember, your, your response to me was... babies (laughs) (laughs) babies <laughs> <laughs> and as a gay man i have forgotten that they are a thing that happens <laughs> if uh yeah. if, if steps aren't taken I,
1: I, I think first conversation i remember having with you was about iud's yes and you said that i was more informed than like nurses that you've spoken to
2: Probably. <laughs> I've spoken to some uninformed nurses. But yeah, so
1: I mean, the, the, the answer is, uh, to go back to your earlier conversation, just do like the dolphins do, which is just stick everything everywhere. No, the
0: dolphins have zero concept of consent. So I mean, do as the well, dolphins do with consent. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, let me say that as you were talking about like, oh my God, what do I do here? What do I do here? Is very much what happened to me the first time that I had a threesome and I was like with a woman and I was... Obviously, like, very attracted, but at the same time, I'm like, this is new territory. I have not watched enough porn to prepare me for this. Oh, my God. What am I going (laughs) to do? And I think it's just part of new experiences. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I go through that every time. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you're like, I have forgotten everything yeah. that I
0: ever learned. <laughs> they made Ikea manuals with a little <laughs> stick figure, and you could just go through, and you're like, all oh, right, that's the shelving unit. So
1: if I were to bring this back to what really matters, this reminds me of an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, in which Wesley Crusher uh, falls in love for the first time with a diplomat who turns out to be a scary shape-shifting monster, if you remember that episode. And then later on, he breaks up with her, and he's meeting with Guinan, who's played by Whoopi Goldberg in Time Forward, And he says, I'm never going to feel that way again. And Whoopi Goldberg says, you're absolutely right. And then Wesley Crusher is like, what are you talking about? You're supposed to be encouraging. And and Whoopi Goldberg says, it's going to be different next time. It's going to be different the time after that. Mm -hmm. It's going to be different the time after that. Every time is going to be a little bit different. And it's going to be new and exciting and scary. Every time.
0: Mm. Now, two things. Whoopi Goldberg is just... Amazing and I watched the view 99% for Bobby Goldberg. And <laughs> um, second thing, uh Wesley Crusher I think was my sexual awakening because I mean, come on. He was pretty cute. In that's... retrospect, it may have been a combination of him and Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Well, uh, before we jump to our next song, we do have a update about the hate preaching incident in Vancouver from like two years ago now. Mm. It was it was in the before times pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. and uh, for those who are struggling to remember, uh, love who is a renowned hate preacher based out of Toronto, went on a pan-Canadian tour involving only two provinces um, to promote his his very specific view on life. I think Guns N' Roses did the same thing. <laughs> the Pan-Canadian tour, was two provinces. Um, anyway, and uh, during this process, he went to Vancouver with a Big old loudspeaker, no permit, no permit, no permit. Always get a permit. Always get a permit. Yeah. And um, this uh, individual, I forget, uh, I forget his name here. Justin Morissette was his name. Said, shut the blank up mm-hmm. and turn it the blank down because in 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 the village in in church in, not in church, that's wrong. In uh, I think it's Wesley Village in, in Vancouver. Stanley. You think yeah. of Study Park, Wesley yeah, Village yeah. In, in Vancouver has a whole bunch of like actual like houses where people sleep. Yeah. You mm. know. And it's the middle of the day and he did not have a permit. It was very loud. It was very hateful. So he told them to turn it down to, you know, you know, a standard raw sort of level. And uh Dorav's response was to break his leg. Mm. So Dorov has was arrested uh, was charged and has now been sentenced to a twelve month conditional uh discharge uh in Vancouver. So this is great because we followed it from day one all the way through. The conclusion is Dolov pled guilty for mm-hmm. breaking the man's leg, um because he did it.
1: it threw a hard shove off a stage. He wasn't like a ninja or something. It wasn't like, oh, why not? like it, it Well
0: you say that, but like he just like out of nowhere just broke the man's leg and then then and the guy, and then the guy eventually confessed that he'd been taking self defense classes, and like, like, so he knew how to break a leg, hmm. and he broke a leg. But yeah, it's uh, Justin Morris said. Then I think had a GoFundMe campaign. It did really well. He's been taken care of, um, and love has now paid the price for casually breaking a man's leg, and uh, for playing hate speech without a permit. Well, we'll keep an eye on those stories as they develop. Before we jump to our first song, there were two tracks. Sebastian threatened to throw my phone across the room because yes. um, they are from TikTok, Yes. and he has an unnecessary aversion to TikTok.
1: I have a very necessary aversion.
0: The unnecessary <laughs> aversion to TikTok. And these are two songs that are currently viral sounds that people may not realise are from queer artists. Mm. The first one is "I Can't". Ah. The first one is "I Can't Decide" by Scissor Sisters and uh in it i think people are lip-syncing the i can't decide if you should live or die to get a sense of how evil you can lip sync it it's an interesting challenge but this is the actual song from the quite queer band scissor sisters which i was briefly banned from playing because i played their entire album for four months straight Mm -hmm. uh, when we were on local radio. But this is, I can't decide. You will notice that there is a swear word that is cut out. That is so that we can get it through the watershed. And we will be back just after this.
4: It's not easy having yourself a good time.
0: was recently listening or watching a lecture on uh, 12th century sodomy Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. you know because uh, you're nodding as one one does yeah yeah. so I'm looking at writing a book much like yourself very exciting and it's based in the 12th century and obviously as a gay man I'm going to put a gay man Mm -hmm. in the book but what was really interesting I was like okay well did they have gay men in the in the 12th century and what's really interesting is the answer is no Sort of, because most contemporary documentation from the 12th century had people doing gay things, mm.
3: mm-hmm.
1: like
0: sodomy. As in, you know, the the act, first of all, sodomy was a very broad range of misbehaviors. Yes.
1: Anything that did not end in pregnancy was yeah, gay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything which
0: didn't lead to a baby, sodomy. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, it could be masturbation, it could be a misfire, it could be anal. All of these things, sodomy. Yeah, so. They had people who did gay things, mm-hmm. um, but nobody. There was no contemporary records identifying folks as gay. And yeah, it, it was
2: of, it was an action, not an identity. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: So sexual orientation is understood to be a pattern of behaviour that forms a part of an identity, which did not apply to how the 12th century folks understood. Sexuality. Mm-hmm. Now, I bring this up because you, Sebastian, yes. found a recent story as well about sort of historical revisionism around you know <laughs> queer identity.
1: It's it's not that there was historical revisionism in the articles that I spotted historical revisionism in the article, and that was there was a uh, a film that they had unearthed from 1930s Germany. Uh, 1930s Germany was. Uh, a very much well, I should say Berlin uh, was kind of a, a famous. Um, it was the heyday of the lesbian. Uh, all sorts of pictures coming. It was
0: nineteen thirties Germany, pre Nazi Germany, was the mecca for queer Europe.
1: Well, it, it overlapped a little bit. I mean, that's yeah. that's the whole plot of Cabaret.
0: Yes, everyone should watch Cabaret. And I believe it's The Curious Life of Christopher Isherwood, who was the man who wrote Cabaret. Mm-hmm. Um, Is a great film. It features Matt Smith as Christopher Isherwood, but also it's set in 1930s Berlin, because he wrote a lot about what he mm-hmm. knew. Um, really fantastic queer movie, um, mm-hmm. Christopher Isherwood with Matt Smith. And obviously also watch Cabaret. Sorry, Sebastian, I cut you off from like movie recommendation. <laughs> no, no,
1: it's fine. Um, but yeah, so in this... Um I'm trying to find, I had it written down and I've lost it, uh, the name of the, the movie. But it was uh, Love in, I think it was translated as Love in Chains. Um, but anyway, the, the article said that it was talking about LGBTQ plus identities in the 1930s, except half of those terms didn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. Um, trans is a medical term from the yeah. late 50s, early 60s. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really adapted as an identity until the 80s, maybe? It depends on who you ask. There's d- different answers to that. Queer was uh, uh, came out of the punk movement mm-hmm. in the early 80s. And it's partly attributed to Bruce LeBruce, who's a music writer from Toronto who wanted to talk about... Uh, 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 they're all no-no words. You can't say on the radio. D-word punk for the ladies and F-rock for the gents, mm-hmm. which was uh, uh, basically the punk scene in, in Toronto, and he wanted to talk about both of them at the same time because the, the gay and the lesbian punk scene in Toronto in the 80s was pretty wild, so he just called them the queer core scene, and that's kind mm-hmm. of what led to a whole bunch of other... Anyway, um, and then the plus obviously is to incorporate all these other words that have come since then and mm-hmm. try to be inclusive. And I just thought it was really interesting. It was like no, they did not identify yeah, as yeah. LGBTQ plus.
0: maybe, and also, I don't even think gay was a word at the time. Oh no, gay
1: is from the the nineteenth uh, century. Okay. Yeah. Um,
2: well, because another aspect of this is the is the medicalization of of homosexuality, where yeah. before homosexuality, like. You you could do the deed, but that wasn't who you were as a person. And so then uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, you have this um, sexology revolution. Mm -hmm. And um, that included uh, Germany. Mm -hmm. And you had um, these psychiatrists that were writing about sexual deviancy. And so um, the psychiatrists, as much as it was... Kind of stigmatizing in the sense that you're writing about deviancy, it was actually quite um, a a move forward saying, actually, these people have uh, these people deserve sympathy and they deserve um, love and respect just as much as other people. It's just that they are that they're different Mm. and that it be created, um, rather than a criminal attitude, you took a medical attitude towards it. And then as you have growing industrialization, you have, um, a lot of, of people who were able to, um, get together in big cities and network and start to, um, create a community and the identity sort of comes from the establishment of communities
1: Mm -hmm. It's really interesting looking at the early years of psychology. Like, Freud has a bad reputation. Oh, yeah. Um, Some of it's well-deserved. He's the first person to describe... His mother looks. eh? (laughs) He's the first person to look at a neuron under the microscope. Like, he's very important. You know, even if you think he's a weirdo, like, he did a lot for neurobiology. But anyway... Um, a lot of his attitude was uh, anything that's blocking self-actualization should be resolved. If resolved means stop doing it, if resolved
0: means accept
1: it, if resolved That
0: sounds means almost Buddhist, where they're not like anti-gay, they're anti-being distracted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was kind of the attitude. Well, Freud a
1: little bit, more so Jung, kind of got into that territory of just like, well, if it's getting in the way, we'll we'll figure out a way to resolve it. What resolve mm-hmm. means depends on the mm-hmm. case. Uh, and it was only, like, it was kind of McCarthyism that took this whole idea of... Because uh, the 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 early years' deviancy was just sort of, like, abnormal. And mm. there's no social narrative on how to resolve this issue. Because, like, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you go to AA. People know that. You know, it's in, it's in the Gestalt, right? Whereas it, you might have some uncommon problem and you don't know what to do with it because people don't talk about it. That's mm. more what they were concerned about, things where people don't know what the solution is. It was more like 50s McCarthyism where, like, the minority became bad and mm-hmm. if you were different if you were other if you were
2: you were a threat you were a threat so well we, i
0: just want to jump in quickly here because mccarthy particularly and in canada we had the the purge of the gay folks mm-hmm. they at the time, it was illegal, and it yeah. was different, and it was illegal, and McCarthy crackdowns were because you could be leveraged, you could be yeah. uh, mm-hmm. blackmailed, yeah. and you were a risk uh, in that sense. Just that added detail that I didn't want to mm-hmm. gloss over. But that's
1: that's not all of history. I, I really do think that when people look at history, there's these great... I, I call them like great black walls of history, where it's like, well, you know, before... Uh, women had the vote be from the suffragette movement, Uh, it must have been horrible being a woman through all of history, not accounting for the fact that things come and go, that, like, Mm. you know, the the, uh, medieval Persian woman could own land and own small companies and could participate in governance, that, like, things come and go over time. It's not like... It's always a gradual improvement. There, there's no hard line yeah. in like everything before the Victorian era it must have been yeah. exactly like the Victorian but era. Or just like
0: in, in ancient Greece and Thebes, they had an pl- entire platoon of essentially married gay men. Yeah. Because they figured that they would be really upset if one of the guys next to them died because they were married and they were all gay. There were tons of gay pirates. Yeah, ex- gay pirates. Yeah. True story. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That if you look at the long arc of history, there is this sort of toing and froing of rights. Yeah. I think if we look beyond the last 200 years, it becomes more evident that these things... Well, coming
1: back to what you are talking well, no, about, you were talking about sodomy in the medieval period. I've been listening to a lot lately about uh, the Black Death, which is kind of right at the tail end of the medieval period. But as a result of the Black Death, for about 80 years, almost all of the beer in Germany was made by women. That, like, fermentation was just taken over by women. A third of the population died. You know, you can't have people not working. Everybody participated in the labor market. Mm -hmm. And and for some reason, pickles, cheese, beer, wine, all fermentation was taken over by women. Obviously, there's going to be a few monasteries here and there. You're going to have a few, like... Bored monks who make wine, because you can't have a monopoly on anything when there's monks around. You,
2: you need to do something other than pray 24 hours a day, yeah. and wine helps pass the time.
1: And growing watermelons. I don't know why, but melons are associated with monasteries. But anyway, um, so these weird periods of history were like, yeah, no, it was, it was great to be a woman so long as you survived the Black Death. You know, you had a 20, 30 year period where it was great to be a German woman, but, you know, it's, I don't know, it's kind of complicated. So this movie coming out sort of reminds people, uh, actually, what was the name again? It was a German name. Well, Laws of Love is the, the translation. Um, but German cinema was not quite as big as French cinema at the time. Uh, oh, Gesetze der Liebe.
0: Have some good German.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um that you know things were actually kind of on the up and up for it was released
0: in 1927 I think we'd said the 30s okay. and I think it's notable because it was one of the first queer films if not the first because okay. of course filmography you know quite a recent invention oh yeah well I mean there was a lot of hints dropped in
1: um, I think I've seen all of Mae West's movies and they dropped a lot of hints in there I love Mae West but anyway <laughs> it's the gayest thing about me by far is my love of Mae West um so it's kind of interesting seeing them unearth a lot of these things, and just this this you know notion of the historical context of some of these things, and how people talk about uh, LGBTQ history using modern LGBTQ terms, yep. even though most of those terms weren't around until
0: like. Well, I've got maybe the the kicker on this one. I was reading. Whoops! I dropped my pen. I was reading the story about uh, petroglyphs in Xinjiang in China, the mm-hmm. northeastern China. There is a very specific name for these petroglyphs, which I'm not going to try and say, Mm -hmm. because it is over a dozen letters long in Chinese, and I don't want to insult any Chinese listeners. Mm -hmm. However, in Xinjiang in China, these are these petroglyphs that are three and a half, four thousand years old, and they depict quite raunchy scenes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are reported to be the world's oldest pornography being three and a half, four thousand years old. Okay. You know, Jesus wasn't even a glint in God's eye at the what time. What about it all those was...
1: little uh, fat Venus statues? Do they count?
2: I don't know that they count as porn. No,
0: they were they depictions considered of a goddess. Yeah, but yes. they were a depiction of the goddess. Okay. As opposed to Petroglyphs, what are they called petroglyphs petroglyphs literally still writing yeah, yeah. with like <laughs> intercourse depicted okay so a bit more on the nose mm-hmm. yeah um, it, it, but what's really interesting is apparently researchers have decided that they depict trans people because they have these petroglyphs and other petroglyphs mm-hmm. not just this particular one And in other ones, before they found this one, they were clearly able to identify skinny legs being male because there was a penis drawn on it. And, you know, the women didn't have a penis but had curvy legs. So they were like, okay, that's the woman petroglyph, the male petroglyph. But in these ones, there's a a bit of all of it happening. Mm -hmm. It's all going on. There are two males doing their things. There are, uh, you know, uh, so-called trans petroglyphs in there. And I say so-called... Because, and we find this, I think we also found it with some um, cave paintings in France a couple of weeks ago, Mm. where, no, it wasn't cave paintings, it was a buried Viking body, now I'm thinking about it, where they're like, well, what do we do? Are they trans? Mm. Which we've discussed it being a term that's quite recently invented. Well, there's also Mm. no
1: transitioning yet. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, uh, Or are these folks intersex? Because it's a biological phenomena that does happen in one every 10,000 people.
1: A lot of mythologies also have characters that have various parts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, sort of a grab bag. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, mythological um, characters. Sometimes it's the classic, you know, Greek monsters, you know, that your, your manticores and all that. They're a, a mishmash of parts to show nature and chaos. And other times it's supposed to show some kind of new harmony that we don't understand yet. So that, that's what the satyr, what the pan kind of yeah. creature is supposed to be of like, you know, half person, half goat, and that's supposed to represent something perfect that humanity can't understand. So mm. I mean, s- mythology and symbolism and things that you don't find typically in nature, uh, they're often sort of symbolic of more abstract concepts. So, I mean, I, I don't, I, it could have just been like, let's just show people doing stuff and getting it on. Yeah, it could and-
0: just be graffiti.
1: It, it could be. It could just be like four thousand year old hentai. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I think one of the other things is that trans is is a very specific thing, but mm. it also excludes um, a lot of other cultures that um, acknowledge third genders, fourth mm. genders, and so you can have gender deviations that. Um, instead of saying that person was born a female and now we recognize them as male, they might actually be recognized as a third gender mm-hmm. that that they grow into. Mm. Um, and so that's also really common um, in a lot of ancient cultures. And so we I feel like by saying trans, we don't always think about this other possibility mm. that exists
0: well we've we've talked before about how. Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, the former uh, prime minister of Iran, mm. famously said there were no gay people in Iran. Yeah. Um, but it was a mistranslation. He was saying that there was no people who identified with the gay community. Yeah. yeah. Plenty of people who are homosexuals doing homosexual yeah, things. Same-sex attraction people are in Iran. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're in Iran. Yeah. But, uh, you know, gay as like a San Francisco flag waving identity is not a thing in Tehran. And I think you're, what well, you're spot on, and we see that with some cultures that have been able to hold on to those more ancient roots. Mm. So there are some indigenous nations that still have uh, mm. concepts of third and fourth gender. And in India, in particular, they have... Some of
1: them uh, are coming back. back. Um, Lithuania and Norway are both having... Um, actually, Iceland, too, are having movements to go back to their pre-Christian... Uh, belief systems a lot of them are trying to avoid the term religion because religion has a very specific Mm -hmm. meaning so they're saying belief system because Mm -hmm. they're not building temples or anything but uh yeah there's this interesting sort of return to to pre-christian indigenous uh religion and in europe as well it's not just a thing that's happening in north america and africa and southeast asia like it's sort of across the globe people are sort of looking at you know what did they do three thousand years ago and some of it's being um reconstructed so like Wiccanism is sort of a reconstruct, well, pseudo reconstruction. And other times, they're like, no, no, we still believe this in the background. Like one of my favorites is um, the empty churches in Iceland, where nobody went to church unless there was a missionary. Mm-hmm. And, like everybody runs to church right now and pretend like you care. <laughs> 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 that's how that's how Iceland stayed uh, um, non-Christian. Out of the Romans, uh,
0: yeah. Roman Empire's attention. Just
1: they would so go and they just coming,
2: Look busy. S- start
1: singing gibberish. <laughs> is that then, a Monty
0: Python reference? The case.
1: there's still an oral tradition of ghosts in Scotland and little people in Ireland though. Mm-hmm. so I mean and Cornwall has its own thing as, uh, Cornish was, Pixies The the Pixies yeah and the Brownies and whatnot mm-hmm. so like it's still there as an oral tradition whether or not they believe in it as a formalized belief system or not I think that's up for debate, but it's still there.
0: Well, we have run out of time. I want to thank Heather for a fantastic show. It was a lot of fun having you here. We are playing out with uh, Superfruit, which are two of the gay folks from uh, Pentatonix, and their song "Guy.exe" um, has the six-foot song, uh, six-foot uh, tall and super strong sound. Came out of it. And the amount of thirst traps on uh, TikTok that have this sound is astonishing. Um, But what was really interesting is that one of the guys in Superfruit is on TikTok. And he's like, does nobody realize this is my song? This is Guy.exe by Superfruit. I've been Luke Smith. I've been Sebastian.
2: I've been
1: Heather. Uh, thank you for listening.
4: Pretty. Nice car, a CEO and almost just as smart as me Where all the boys have a financial security I've got to remodel a man of possibilities They say expectations are too high And you'll never find a guy like that That's driving you mad, honey That is that it's just a waste of time, yeah We synthesize a picture perfect guy, oh why, oh why? Six feet tall and super strong, we always get along. I want him to a gentleman to take care of me picture